0: Let's take off, baby. Let's just drive, honey.
1: Into the night sky, to the sunset shine. Into the day, baby. Let's go traveling. Let's go traveling.
2: Let's go this is Travel Michigan. I'm Dave Lorenz, along with Nick Nurbin from Pure Michigan. Award winning travel writer Amy Eckert has two new books out this fall. Perfect Day, Michigan, and the third edition of 100 Things to Do in Detroit Before You Die. It's almost that time of the year to get frightened, and you'll do exactly that at the Niles Scream Park. The crop has bloomed, but there's still much to see at the Lavender Hill Farm. And this is the perfect time of year to walk America's longest canopy tour and to enjoy so much more in Michigan's Great Lakes Bay Area. We travel Michigan next, where your trip begins at Michigan.org.
0: Let's go traveling.
2: Welcome to Travel Michigan. I'm Dave Lorenz, along with Nick Nurbin, and we sure are glad that you're back with us again this week as we explore the great state of Michigan. We're at that time of the year, that summer season is about ready to say goodbye. The fall is right ahead of us, and that's exactly why my throat is the way it is. I have that (laughs) this time of the year, um, that uh, asthma-slash-allergy sound, so I apologize for that right up front. But uh, everything's fine. So, Nick, where are we going to go to first?
0: Well, this time of year, Dave, is a fantastic time to get out and explore a lot of Michigan's agricultural destinations, which there are many in all areas of the state. And uh, for this one, we're going to travel to Boyne City to talk to Bill Mansfield of Lavender Hill Farm, which is, you know, it's an incredible setting up there in the Boyne City area. But, Bill, the region really is full of agricultural opportunities and talk about how Lavender Hill Farm first came to decide that that is the place to grow lavender.
3: Uh, uh, thank you for having me. Uh, I think the quick answer is the 45th parallel. Yeah, true. Uh, there, there are uh, certain agricultural products that just love this region. Lavender is one of them.
2: Yeah, you know, so um, what is the lavender production process look like I mean I I have actually been to the farms themselves and that's pretty unique as well so um, kind of tell us about that what what the actual farms look like whether you can get into them during the you know blooming time and then we'll get into some of the products that you make from them a little bit later on
3: sure we're a 33 acre lavender farm uh, we have 13,000 plants. Uh, we have 30 different varieties in the ground, and uh, this is all harvested by hand. Um, I always joke this is a job for young backs, hmm. and uh, we're, we're hunched over uh, harvesting. We, we take that harvest. We do several things with it. Uh, first, we assemble uh, dried bunches. Uh, secondly, we process those bunches for uh, dried buds, which go into uh, culinary products such as Uh, cookies or ice cream, Uh, spa products like neck pillows or or eye pillows. And then we also distill some of these buds uh, as lavender essential oils. Uh, so all of that uh, work is done. Uh, we're occupied and busy doing that all summer long.
0: Yeah, and I, I do want to learn more about some of those products, too. I've, I've enjoyed some of them, but want to learn more. But really quickly, when it comes to the farm itself and people can come visit, because I see, you know, on social media, the lavender, when it's in full bloom, is such a beautiful sight. You see people out there taking photos and, and those types of things. Talk about the, the opportunities and experience to visit the farm during that time.
3: Oh, sure. We've got a a full slate of of classes. Uh, We are an agritourism destination, and and Mm -hmm. for us, agritourism begins with education. We have a fleet of six-seater golf carts, and we're happy to take you all over the farm and and talk about how we harvest and when, what we're doing with that harvest, and and, uh, try to help our visitors make a connection between the plants that are growing in the plots and, ultimately, the products that uh, that those flowers turn into. Well, so we,
2: uh, yeah, I'm sorry about that, uh, Bill, but um when you're when you're on the farm and you're going through those tours, um, the the people actually get out there and and take part in the the picking process or I don't know if that's the the harvest process I suppose you could call it.
3: Uh sure, we have uh, you u-cut flowers that are available generally after the 4th of July. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. And you do have the ability to go out in the plots and, and cut a bunch for yourself.
2: So you actually cut them off, and, and they come in kind of like a stalk, uh, and you then process it. Uh, Nick was asking about some of those, those products that are available at the store. What, what can we find there?
3: We have over 350 SKUs in our gift shop, uh, culinary products, mm. maple syrup, jelly, cookies, ice cream, Uh, We have uh, spa products, uh, uh, lotions and and shampoos and so forth. Um, We also have aromatherapy items, reed diffusers and uh, candles of all different uh, shapes and sorts. Uh, A a nice range of of alcohol-based products, Mm -hmm. gin, vodka, uh, sparkling white wine, uh, bitters, beers, Uh, So it's really interesting to consider how many products uh, use lavender. So over 350 in the shop.
0: Well, and I know that there at the farm, the setting, the things that you do in addition to the wonderful products I can purchase there. I'm a big fan of sunflowers, and there are some things that you're doing there at the farm that highlight those beautiful pieces of nature as well, don't you?
3: I think it's always fascinating to see how our farm transitions from season to season. And at this point in our calendar, the the purples of of all of our plants start to give way to the sunflowers and fall colors. Uh, We have over 5,000 sunflowers planted. um, And ours are, uh, we admittedly, we plant those a little late. Uh, Ours are designed to come up around Labor Day uh, to provide a little visual interest and, and some fall color before the leaves start to turn.
2: You know, I never would have thought about going to a lavender farm uh, at this time of the year. Um, you know, I, I usually think of like pumpkins or something like that, but especially with the sunflowers, you, you have the festival coming up on the 16th. You do all these these classes and other special events. It just seems like a really neat place to visit.
3: Yeah, for us, uh, fall is still a, a wonderfully busy uh, calendar. Uh, we're still distilling lavender essential oil and, and you're right. A couple of the things you highlighted, we, we still have yoga. We've got uh, walking trails uh, around the farm that, uh, that, that get awful, awful beautiful uh, with fall colors.
2: Well, it looks like a, a great place to visit. And we all should uh, head to Boyne City to Lavender Hill Farm. The website to learn more, lavenderhillfarm.com. Our thanks to Bill Mansfield for being with us today. We're going to head to Niles next. Here on Travel Michigan, where your trip begins at michigan.org. It's Travel Michigan. I'm Dave Lorenz, along with Nick Nurbin from Pure Michigan. And Nick, I can't believe it. It's almost that time. And our next guest knows this time of the year is not my favorite time of the year, but uh,
0: I know a lot of people love it. Well, that's the thing. The, the fall in Michigan is a wonderful time. And as we look toward, you know, September and October, the later time in the fall, we, we start to say thrills and chills are part of what we want to look forward to that time of year. Haunted houses and other attractions that people love to enjoy. And we're going to head to talk with Pete Karlowitz down in Niles, Michigan. He's part of the Niles Scream Park, which is much more than a haunted house, isn't it, Pete?
1: Oh, absolutely, Nick. Uh, welcome aboard, Nick. And although most of the people in Michigan are thrilled about chills and spills and whatever, <laughs> there's a guy sitting next to you that's not real happy about that. That's James. true. I know.
2: <laughs> I know it's true. Well, you know, I don't. I don't know if everybody knows what the Nile Scream Park is. So why don't you fill us in? Give us a little background.
1: Well, Dave, let, let me tell you that I'm really excited this year because it is our 50th consecutive year of being in operation. Wow. And we're absolutely thrilled about that. Uh, that's, that's really something the best I can do is tell you, I think there's one haunted attraction in the country that's older than us. So we're really excited about it. We're going all out, pulling out all the stops, and we're hoping to roll out the black carpet for Dave this year. <laughs>
2: Yeah, well, I'm going to do my best. I really am. You know, and I, I say that every year, uh, but you know how much I just, I, I, I'm trying to get excited about Halloween this year. Let's do our best. I'm going to do my best. Okay. Now, Now, uh, and, and to explain, Niles Haunted House is not just a house. It is a, it's a big park. How, how many acres do you take?
1: We have 44 acres, and then we go on and say we have five major attractions, a couple minor attractions. So I'm not sure where you'd like me to start, but that's we have a really big park.
2: Yeah, start just start with, let's say, the house, and then go on to the other features.
1: All right. We have what is called our mainstay, and that's the Niles Haunted House. It's been there from the very beginning. Uh, when we first started, it was just the haunted house, and then we had these other attractions that have grown from that. The haunted house is your traditional haunted house you can't see it in one visit because it has two sides and so it's multiple routes this year for our 50th anniversary we've gone back to old school so it's basically old school decorations that you would see in a haunted mansion
0: one of the key things to talk about the attraction here is that there are so many different kind of environments scenes types of things now i don't want to i know you don't want to give it all away you want people to come down and experience this But what types of ghouls, goblins, and spooks can we expect to see throughout the visit?
1: Well, think about a haunted house. And so, for example, one of the ones that I really like this year is a haunted study. If Hmm. you've been to Disney and the Haunted Mansion, when you go through our study, you'll see that they borrowed some things from us. Hmm. Um, But then we have, there's some outdoor scenes inside the pumpkin room, is incredible we have a garden of good and we have a garden of evil and those are highly decorated with the vegetation because you're in a garden Uh, we have um, some a kitchen a bathroom we have a basement so those are the types of things just what what your mind conjures up that you would see in an old-fashioned haunted house
2: now uh, what of these features is new for this year? It seems like you you bring out a new attraction or a new feature every year, at least one uh, what what's new for this year?
1: Well, all of those rooms are new in the haunted house. Now what you might be remembering is we have some other attractions and those are completely new from top to bottom. So let's lead into that and say, hey, one of the other attractions that we have, which is indoors, is Blackbeard's Revenge. <laughs> and you are going through Blackbeard's ship back, I think it was in the 1800s, I'm not sure the exact year, but it's it's just like going through an old-fashioned pirate ship. And basically we say, dead men tell no tales, but you'd <laughs> be lucky to survive to tell the story.
2: All right, that sounds fun. Uh,
1: and then the next one, and again, so Black Deer's Revenge was not there last year. It's completely new, as is Ghostly Hollow. The Ghostly Hollow is set in the 1890s. It's a mining town, mining camp, hmm. and it it tells a story about a man who wanted to get rich, but the stuff he was selling wasn't so good. All the townspeople died, and that's why now the place is called the Ghostly Hollow. Okay. So we have two, uh, So and that is new from top to bottom. All right. Then <laughs> we have the outdoor attraction. It's about 3,000, maybe 3,500 lineal feet. It takes about 45 minutes to get through, and that is known as the field of screams. <laughs> and so it has different areas, just like a haunted house. It has different themed uh, areas uh, as you make your way through this. Lineal maze, so to speak. Is
2: is that like a corn maze, or is that totally different?
1: It's totally different, but people always refer to it as a corn maze. But it's it's a I'm not sure why we don't have corn stalks. We have walls, but it is a very very long outdoor maze. So mm. maybe because it's outdoors, they think that it's a corn maze. All right. Yeah. Okay. And then the last major attraction we have is the Dark Territory Haunted Hayride. It's about a mile long. There's about 50 different sets. You ride on a hayride, and different things happen along the path.
0: Well, I keep picturing Jack Nicholson at the end of The Shining there with yeah. the bays, and he can't find his way out. In the that kind of stuff, I think it probably won't be as cold, you know, this fall. But I just I did want to ask about coming to Niles in the fall. There's so many great things happening around the entire region during the fall. What else can visitors do when they come to Niles to visit the screen park?
1: Well, the other thing that big in our region is the Niles Apple Festival. Mm -hmm. I don't know the exact dates, but if you look it up on the website, you'll see it, because it falls right at the very end of September, so there might be an October date there, but it's right at the very end of September, and that is huge. It's a four-day event, so if you're coming, like Dave is coming this year, he's going to (laughs) have a couple things to do. One day, he's going to go to the Apple Festival, and then the other night, he's going to go to the Haunted House.
2: That that makes it a little bit easier. I think the Apple Festival is the 28th of September through the 1st of October. And um, so when do you open for the season, Pete?
1: We actually open our doors on Friday, September 8th. And we are open through Saturday, November 4th. And it's always on weekends. And as we get into October, we add some Sundays. But predominantly, we're a Friday-Saturday attraction.
2: So I'm looking through my my, uh, calendar here, and, well, darn it, I'm available. So uh, it looks like I'm coming to Niles, to the Niles Scream Park. And you know what, uh, Pete, just, just to make it difficult on me, not only will I visit the Niles Scream Park, I'll put it on Facebook. So, mm-hmm. people can tell that I've really done it. So, I'm looking forward to that. I really am. I've been trying to get there. I, I'm truly looking forward to it. I know you guys do such a great job. So many people have said that they love the Nile Scream Park. You've been named the top 30 in the top 31 must see haunted attractions. You've been in the uh, Haunted Attraction magazine. Can't believe there is one, by the way, but there is a Haunted Attraction magazine. And And so it's amazing what you've done with Niles Scream Park. going to be opening before you know it. And uh, for more information, uh, go to this website, the best website for haunted houses ever made, haunted.org. That simple. And you're going to find the uh, Niles Scream Park, all that information. And I'm glad that Pete mentioned the the Apple Fest as well, because Mm -hmm. that that whole area uh, is just covered with um, farms and agriculture is so big in that area. So you'll want to to check out uh, that uh, as well, that uh, last weekend, September through October 1st in Niles. Appreciate uh, Pete Karlowitz for being with us today and we're going to find out what's happening with a couple of new books coming out very soon uh it's um actually written by a michigan author can't wait to tell you about that both of those books right here on travel michigan where your trip begins at michigan.org It's Travel Michigan. I'm Dave Lorenz from Pure Michigan. You know, we always say your trip begins at michigan.org. And we always want people to go there to learn about all the things they can see and do in Michigan. But there are so many other sources and resources where you can find great travel ideas and uh, i have been going to um more of the uh, the printed uh, guides the the travel guides and mm-hmm. and travel books written by some friends and actually we're going to talk to one of those friends next nick that's
0: right uh, we're going to talk to amy eckert who among Uh, in addition to writing travel stories about places all over the state of Michigan, she's got a couple of new books coming out this fall, and one of which I'm particularly interested in called Perfect Day Michigan. Yeah, me too. Amy, I know what I might say is the perfect day in Michigan, which is to have both summer and winter in the same day, so that's not really possible. (laughs) So uh, what do you tell your readers about a perfect day in Michigan?
4: Well, you know, it's very difficult because I'm sure you and Dave have had the same experience. You spent all your life exploring Michigan, and every day you discover something new. But you'll have people approach you and say, "Hey, Amy, I am going to be headed to Detroit. I'm going to be headed to Ann Arbor. I'm going to be headed to Traverse City, and I only have one day." Yeah, <laughs> it's a it's a dilemma because there's so much to see and do. But you know, this is the reality of of what folks experience and so that was really the premise behind this book was to give readers uh, a place to start okay so you only have one day in Detroit what are the can't-miss mm. places there um, and I do this with uh, 30 destinations around the state I tried to mix it up to have some urban getaways as well as some outdoor recreation nice and things to do in between but each chapter focuses on two destinations that I think are can't miss stops, and then a place to eat, and a selection of three or four others just in case you're able to stretch it into two days.
2: And you've so made that's, that's the promise. And, and you put this book together uh, in what we call an evergreen format, where it uh, doesn't mm-hmm. matter what time of the year you pick it up, you're going to be able to, to enjoy these things, or is it a seasonal sometimes?
4: Well, some things are seasonal. I mean, if you want to head to the golf resorts around Petoskey, you know, the time to do that is not January. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But on the other hand, um, you know, Michigan has some fabulous golf resorts, so it's it's only natural to include those in there. But I also talk about skiing at Boeing and, um, you know, leaf peeping and winery hopping in the Traverse City area. So, yes, I tried to ca- cover all four seasons, and a variety of interests. So I really think that there's something for any interest level, you know, whether you're a couple um, looking for a romantic getaway or you want to take a, you know, a getaway with the the kids or grandkids. A little something for everyone.
0: You know, Amy, you talk about these types of experiences. I know that you don't just have secondhand knowledge of these types of experiences, you'd get out and do them yourself. So when you look at mm-hmm. what are the things that we should include in The Perfect Day Michigan, are these from experience, or did you have to go out and research new things? How did you come up with this list?
4: Well, I've been writing about Michigan for more than 20 years now, so I have, a, and I've lived here all my life, so I have a lot of experience to base it on, uh, to base the, the the books on, and um, yeah, I just, uh, I try not to write about anything that I haven't done myself, because that's just a recipe for mistakes. Yeah. So, yeah, I, uh, you know, when I'm working on the Detroit chapter, I'm headed to Detroit, and I'm visiting the Motown Museum and going to the, the DIA to see some of the world's great artworks. Um, you know, going to Midland and touring the the uh, mid-century architecture in that city I really based the entire book on a life's worth of experiences and, and then trying to narrow it down to my very favorites, which isn't always easy. But.
2: <laughs> well, how how did you do that? Like in Detroit, for instance, um, when you think of foods, would you yeah. talk about uh, Middle Eastern food or would you talk about pizza or would you talk about Coney dogs? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, which one would you pick?
4: Yeah, and it, it's not easy. And I ended up settling on Middle Eastern food because I think – Middle Eastern food is as good in Detroit as it is anywhere, and that is coming from somebody who's spent some time eating in Israel and Jordan and places like that you know the the food the Middle Eastern food in Detroit is just fantastic because it's made by people who immigrated from those parts of the world and um, brought their recipes with them and you know when it comes to Cody dogs and um um uh, when it comes to pizza those are great pla- places as well it was it was hard to leave things out but sometimes you have to really focus yeah. and so that that's what i i did my best to to do in these pages
0: well, you know, I think we could do an entire show about food in Detroit. I love the restaurants yeah, there. Definitely. I mean, everything from, as Dave mentioned, the Coney Dogs to a lot of the, the cu- cuisines from all around the world it is a fantastic place for foodies. True. It's gotten a, a lot of attention internationally, not just nationally, for the, for the quality oh, of the absolutely. restaurants. But I did want to mention, speaking of Detroit, that in one of the two books we referenced in the open was you have a new edition of the 100 Things to Do in Detroit Before You Die. You know, I have a few Mm -hmm. of those that are automatic, like going to a baseball game to watch the Tigers play, Uh you know, seeing a show at the Fox Theater, and some of those that folks travel from all over the place to come and do those things. But what other unique things that are a little unexpected are on that list of 100 things?
4: Well, I was really excited about the opportunity to write a third edition uh, of this book because, you know, since I wrote the first title, which i think was in 2016. Detroit has, has really evolved and it's continuing to evolve all the time. So, you know, um, it, it was time to do an update on that guide. But
3: mm-hmm. I
4: like like you, I am really impressed by the food in Detroit. There are cities all around this country that serve ethnic food that is just really fantastic. But I think Detroit is unique because some of the cuisines that you find there you just don't find anywhere else. I was there last spring and ate meals um, that stem from Burundi um, recipes from Yemen, a restaurant that specials in Nigerian and Afro Caribbean food, um, restaurants that really focus on Chaldean food. I mean, these are unusual cuisines in the U.S., but you can find them in Detroit, and you can find them sometimes on the same on a single block. It's really quite extraordinary. Um, I talked about um the a new outlet for Ravel now jewelry. You guys are probably familiar with Ravel now. She produces um jewelry that 's made from recycled graffiti that 's kind of peeled off the walls in Detroit. Well, mm. Ravel now now has not only has her own storefront where you can shop for her jewelry, but you can walk into her into her workshop and see the women that she employs crafting the jewelry and um, watch the process. Get a little tour of the 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 shop. So that was super fun to be able to walk through there. Um, and I've got a section on square pizza, Detroit square <laughs> pizza. I think Detroit's pizza is kind of having a moment right now. Yeah, it is. People, right. People realize that this is a, a a style of pizza that's really unique in the country. So I talk about how square pizza involved evolved and and where to go to get the best in the city.
2: That sounds, uh, actually, it's making me hungry. It sounds so good. Um, so so how about things to do? What, what is, Give me an example of one of the things to do that you've recommended in this version of the book.
4: Well, um, Detroit's Riverwalk is continuing to evolve mm-hmm. and expand. And I'm always interested when I go downtown to see what new park has popped up that season. A recent addition is the Robert Belade Park. And in the summer months, you can go and enjoy a sandy beach and bring the kids and their sand toys and spend a day there. And in the winter, they have a curling park, a curling rink, so you can try your hand at curling. And it's right there on the Detroit River, which is very cool. That's Um, so
2: neat. Well, we're going to run out of time. People are going to have to pick up your books. (laughs) Uh, And now, how can they find Perfect Day Michigan and the third edition of 100 Things to Do in Detroit?
4: Well, you can find both of these titles wherever you like to shop for books, whether an independent bookstore or Amazon. You can go to my website, amyeckert.com. I hope that these books will kind of pique people's interest to see a new side of Detroit and to explore all the great destinations across the state of Michigan.
2: Well, we will uh, send folks to amyeckert.com. For more information and uh, hope they do uh, look for those books Uh, I have uh, enjoyed Amy's writing for many many years and I certainly highly recommend that people check out the books purchase them and support locally produced uh, works of art because that's exactly what it is Mm -hmm. when uh, people know how to put those words together so well Um, I I love it and the other thing about it is Amy and her uh, wonderful husband live here in Michigan. They've done some work for Pure Michigan, and we're really happy that uh, she's done that. Um, but uh, they know Michigan, uh, and you should support your uh, Michigan authors and artists any way you can. Recommend that again. The website, amyeckert.com. That is E-C-K-E-R-T e-c-k-e-t.com. We're going to head to the Midland Bay City area next here on Travel Michigan, where your trip begins at Michigan.org. It's Travel Michigan. I'm Dave Lorenz from Pure Michigan, along with Nick Nurbin. And Nick, I I know we're going to head to that Great Lakes Bay area, uh, and I'll just say it right now. Midland, Bay City, Saginaw, awesome area. Mm -hmm. And I especially like it this time of year. People should head there now.
0: Yeah, that's the thing about the Great Lakes Bay region is there are so many times things to do all year long. And I I think one of the first things we're going to talk about with Michael is America's longest canopy walk. And I know that it it kind of conjures visions of walking amongst the trees. Can you tell us a little bit more about that, Michael?
5: Yeah, absolutely. So uh, North America's longest canopy walk is housed at Dow Gardens in the Whiting Forest section of that beautiful botanical garden, over 210 acres of pristine gardens with all sorts of different uh, flowers and plants and bugs and birds and anything that really you have an interest in outside they've got it there but the canopy walk is super special and the reason because uh, it's really one of the best examples of the removal of barriers that we have here in the region so if you have a barrier of mobility uh, you'll be able to experience this canopy walk as anybody else would uh, it's a very gradual incline. It's a soft, cool, calming stroll through the treetops of Whiting Forest and the White Pines. Uh, you're not strapped in, zip lining or swinging from tree to tree. Uh, it's just a very, very nice, calming walk. Uh, and it's a beautiful, beautiful scenery as well. They've got three overlooks. One overlooks an orchard, one overlooks a pond, and one overlooks uh, just a forest area. Uh, but each provides a different calming, relaxing opportunity there.
0: Yeah, and as the fall colors begin to emerge, it's such a spectacular setting out there, and I just wanted to make sure that everyone knows who's listening that this is a a great attraction to visit throughout the year.
5: Yeah, absolutely. They're open uh, year-round. Obviously, you know, when the winter hits and there's some ice, but we don't want to talk about that just yet. (laughs) Not quite yet. Uh, But for fall colors, it's a beautiful opportunity. It's a great place to be able to take in some of that foliage that Michigan is so well known for Uh, and it's a very affordable price and like I said it's a relaxing afternoon up in the treetops
2: and it it really is beautiful and you know Michael last time we were together uh, we actually went downtown Midland and I I have to tell you I haven't spent a lot of time in downtown Midland what a great town Mm
5: -hmm. yeah and over the past couple of years they've really leaned into the common area space uh, they shut down portions of Main Street. There's ping-pong tables out there. There's cornhole. There's giant chess, and it's just really a, a cool environment to be downtown. Um, the the city of Midland is really doing a great job in providing entertainment on uh, the weekends downtown, and uh, Midland is just becoming a great place to hang out in the evening. So if you're in the Great Lakes Bay region, if you're in Uh, michigan in the middle uh, of the mitten make sure you make your way to midland and experience it for yourself because it's just a cool environment to be a part of
0: and i would also suggest do not miss the tridge one of the the more unique attractions there in downtown midland but when we talk about downtowns i think of bay city as well such a fantastic downtown vibrant uh, restaurants bars and all kinds of activities what happens in bay city in the fall
5: Well, in the fall, uh, it cools down, (laughs) (laughs) which means people are outside more. Folks are able to explore uh, the antique mall. Uh, They're able to take some fall foliage tours on the Princess Winona and the Apple Door, the tall ship that dock right in the center of downtown. Um, Bay City is a special place. Uh, because it just provides so many different environments. We have really three downtowns, if you think about it. We've got the actual downtown area. Then we've got uptown, which provides a a great shopping experience for some nice boutiques, some great dining, high-end dining. And then there's uh, the west side on Midland Street that provides just a whole other environment of late-night activity. Uh, Bars and restaurants line that street up and make for a really good evening out on the town as well. So uh, Bay City is something not to shed an eye at. Uh, It's just a great environment to hang out, Uh, and if you're a fisherman, it's an awesome fishery right out onto the Saginaw Bay. I was just there last week, caught some really big fish uh, late in the season, so it's a great, great opportunity to get some good fishing in.
2: Michael, is uh, beetles and beans still around Bay City?
5: Oh, yeah, and it's uh, one of the places I recommend the most to to folks. Uh, it's a wall-to-floor Beatles memorabilia coffee shop. The best way to describe cool. it is it's a Beatles museum that serves coffee.
2: Yeah, it, it really is a very special place, and the folks who run it are very special as well. You're going to feel really welcome, and uh, the coffee is pretty darn good, I have to say. but, yeah, it's but really good. <laughs> you know, the Beatles memorabilia are just absolutely overwhelming. I really like Bay City. Um, there there are so many kind of old-timey-looking storefronts. And then you go in, like you mentioned, the antique shops or whatever. Just great deals, great variety of interesting, uh, you know, not the normal shops. And, and I, I love that. The candy store there is really impressive as well.
5: Yeah, St. Laurent Brothers, uh, known for nuts and candies and all sorts of different things that you would uh dream about as a kid. You know, when you when you walk in the door, you really do feel like a kid in a candy shop.
2: Yeah, really do. Um now, Saginaw is um is another one of the the communities within the Great Lakes Bay area, and if you haven't been in Saginaw for a while, there are a lot of reasons to visit Saginaw as well, Michael.
5: Yeah, uh Saginaw is home to a whole multitude of different cultural uh experiences throughout the city. Um, the Japanese Cultural Center is right here in the heart of the city, um, and there's all sorts of different activities that happen there, but you can actually see an authentic tea ceremony at the Cultural Center where they are uh, really expanding on making sure that folks get new experiences and new different cultures. But one of the things I do want to talk about with you, Dave and Nick, uh, is Saginaw, the spirit uh hockey team was just awarded host of the 2024 memorial cup it's a super special event where the fifth united states location to host it in its existence uh the other four have been on the west coast but we're super excited to show off the city of saginaw to anybody who's a hockey fan especially those who follow the memorial cup it's a great opportunity to come and see saginaw at its very best
2: Well, Michael, I think I told you this, but, um, Nick, I was uh, in Vancouver uh, earlier this year, and I got into a cab uh, going to a meeting, and uh, we started talking, and the cabbie said, where are you from? And I told him, and he said, Michigan. He says, you know, you guys are hosting the Memorial Cup. I was like, wow, all the way on the other side of Canada. That's how big this event is. It's a huge event, and
5: really uh, the event seeks to honor those of the fallen Canadian military, but it's an awesome opportunity for us to uh, open our arms up a little bit and welcome those uh, international neighbors in, uh, in, from Canada and from Ontario uh, just to be able to show our hospitality here in Saginaw and in the state, and it's a great opportunity for folks who want to come see a 12-day event uh, in Saginaw. The Memorial Cup, it's going to be an awesome opportunity to do that.
2: And I know uh, you are a podcaster and you get to talk about Great yeah. Lakes uh, Bay Area stuff. Where can we find your podcast?
5: Well, you can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or thegreatvoice.com. That's the Go Great Lakes Bay podcast. You know, Dave, it's really a show where we get to know the folks behind the scenes at some of the awesome travel sector properties in our region. Uh, to get the story behind it because everywhere you go there's always a story behind why that place opened or why the event started or who started this restaurant. Uh, It's an awesome opportunity for you to get to know the folks behind the scenes in the travel sector here in Pure Michigan. Great Lakes Bay
2: region. Well, fantastic. Uh, love it. Uh, and in fact, you know, we, we put this program into podcast form as well. So some of our listeners might be listening through podcast and they can uh, tune over into uh, that podcast as well. Well worth listening. And in fact, I've been a guest on Michael's program before. It was a lot of fun. He does a great job. So our thanks to Michael Hensley from the Great Lakes Bay area. For more information, go to the website, Go great com. Nick, that's all the time we have for Travel Michigan this week. Thanks for joining us this week. Great to be here, Dave. Always great to have you on board, especially when there's not much voice on this end. So uh, really appreciate that. i tell you what, you need to join us next week. I hope you do. Here on Travel Michigan, where your trip begins at michigan.org.
0: Let's go travelin'.